Hey guys, what's up? Yeah, usually I have an intro. Usually, whatever I play the song right away, but um, yeah, no, 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 not today. So the O's really just acquired catcher Lewis Torrens from the Cubs in exchange for cash considerations, and Joey Crable was designated for assignment. Dude, this is so stupid. This is so stupid. You have James McCann. You have Adley Rutschman. Obviously, Creed's and Delmarva. You have Anthony Baboom. You have enough catchers right now, in my total opinion. Dude, this is literally because the Angelos family does not spend money. When I tell you the Angelos family doesn't spend money, this is what happens. This happens because they don't spend money, so they're trying to find these stars that are like two stars, and then like they play like five. Um or like a diamond in the rough, like Jorge Mateo. But like, tired of this, bro. Angelo, spend money. Don't make Elias do this. You're just wasting money on another catcher that we don't need. You could have used that money to re-sign Adley to a longer extension. But no, 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 no. We need another catcher, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. Um, What do I think about Joey Crable being designated for assignment? Dude, he sucks. I'm glad. Like, I don't, I don't need him on the major league team right now. But with that and that little rant, and now you know I hate this whole breaking news thing, let's get into the podcast. Let me tell you, I think Red Sox fans are still salty about Xander Bogarts leaving. When I was at the game on Tuesday the 25th, there was a Red Sox fan in front of me, and when the O's hit the ball past Christian Arroyo, who is their shortstop, I said, sucks not Bogarts. Yeah, that one hurt a little too much for the Red Sox fan in front of me. As he said, look at the scoreboard. Well, without Xander on the Red Sox, I feel the O's have a significantly better chance at winning against the Sox. Bogarts versus the Orioles' lifetime has a batting average of 279 with 161 hits, 20 home runs, 87 RBIs, and 97 runs scored in 156 games. This year, Bogarts is doing even better with a 308 average, six dingers, an OPS of 914 and a 400 on-base percentage. So this really helps that he's not on the Red Sox this year. Well, enough about Bogarts and the Red Sox. Aren't you guys here to listen about the Orioles? What will I be talking about today? I will cover the month of April and a little bit of a recap up to this point. While doing that, I will also cover updates on Dylan Tate and Michael Givens, Urias History, Yenier The Rock, Cano, Jackson Holiday and what's going on with him, Joey Ortiz's big league debut, and a lot more. Let's talk a little bit about the O's easy and hard stretches of games. So if we are comparing the 2023 Orioles and the 2022 Orioles, the 2023 Orioles have got off to a way better start. 
In April, the Orioles went 18 and 9. Last year in 2022, the Orioles went 7 and 14. Remember, the season is 162 games, so you can't make it to the playoffs in just April. But as I heard from Brandon Mortensen, you can lose the season in April. When the Orioles went 7 and 14 in 2022, they lost to terrible teams like Oakland. When they played Oakland at the Coliseum in 2022, they won one of four games, which is not good. The Orioles this year are winning games against teams they should beat, though. The Orioles took three of four from Oakland this April, swept Washington in a two-game series. The Birds also played the Tigers seven times near the end of April. The Orioles swept the Tigers in a three-game series at home and won three of four away at Comerica Park. These 2023 Orioles are beating the teams they need to beat. So when it comes to May, when they have a rough stretch of games while playing Atlanta away three games and coming home to play the number one team in the league, which is the Rays, and then the number two team in the league, the Pirates, like, come on now. They, like, they're not going to win every game. So stocking up these wins against bad teams is really good. After winning the last series, 3-1 against Detroit. That was the Orioles' sixth straight series win, keeping the Orioles in second place in the MLB and in the AL East, just behind the Tampa Bay Rays. As I said earlier, I was going to talk about Dylan Tate and Michael Givens, so let's get into it. Um, with all these wins, the bullpen has been looking like it's slowly getting worn out, and that's why I'm excited for Dylan Tate and Michael Givens to come back. On May 2nd, it was even reported by Rock Kubatko that the Orioles had the lowest bullpen average in baseball with a 286 average. For the amount of runs they have been giving up, that's pretty amazing and exciting. Even though Tate and Givens aren't aces, they are solid, and that is why I'm excited to see how good the bullpen is when they came back. On April 26th, Dylan Tate started in double-A buoy, this is basically since he is rehabbing from forearm soreness and needs to get back into the groove of pitching. He is reported to start four games in Bowie, and then I think if he's good enough, they might bring him up to the 26-man roster, or 27-man, my bad. If he's not ready yet, I could see them putting him in AAA Norfolk to get more work or keep him in Bowie. According to Rotowire, uh, according to Rotowire which is a website, Tate's first rehab assignment in the high A Aberdeen was a success. Tate allowed a run on two hits and struck out two in one inning. Before Tate is ready for his season debut, he is expected to need four or five starts depending on where he's at. Tate has been in three games so far in the minors this season, with two in Bowie and one in Aberdeen. While in Bowie, Tate has gone 0-1, so one loss, no wins and has had an earned run average of 7.71 in those two games at Bowie, which is not the best, but for rehab, it is decent. Dylan has recorded three strikeouts in Bowie so far with 2.1 innings. As a fan, we just got to wait, but he will be up there in no time. So where is Michael Givens' progress at? Well, if you don't remember, Givens has been out most of the season, well, all the season so far, with a left knee inflation. Basically, imagine a knee feeling warm and swollen anytime you put pressure on it. <sighs> that, that, that 
probably just hurts a lot. Um, and that's probably how Gibbons feels, uh, that it hurts a lot. On the 27th of April, Gibbons got assigned to rehab in Bowie. So far, Gibbons has pitched two innings and has had two strikeouts. I think that Tate will be ready for the Orioles before Gibbons is. So talking about these relief pitchers, how about we talk about setup pitchers for the Orioles? During the trade deadline last season, the Orioles were sellers and not buyers, as they sadly traded Trey Mancini to the Houston Astros and closer Jorge Lopez to the Minnesota Twins. The trade for Lopez was amazing. Those definitely won this trade. When they traded Lopez and Cash, what they got in return was even better. They received Yenier, The Rock, Cano, Juan Nunez, and left-hand pitchers Cade Povich and Juan Rojas. Let me remind you that per MLB Pipeline, Povich is the Orioles' 12th best prospect right now. Let's talk a little bit about Yenier Cano. In Cano's first 25 batters, he didn't let the first 24 batters on base. He did hit the 25th batter face, though, breaking that stat up. Cano does still have a 0.00 ERA. Cano also has a whip of 0.08 and officially gave up his first hit on May 2nd against the Royals. Cano has faced 37 batters so far this season and retired 35 of them. With 16 ground outs, 13 strikeouts, and only one hit batter, and a popcorn dweep doob hit, it was so stupid of a hit. Uh, Cano was tearing up the league, though. When I say tearing up the league, this man is going through players like this and that. Oh, my God, he's amazing. But why is Cano called The Rock, you guys might be asking me. Um, this is because Felix Bautista gave him that nickname. So Cano is basically The Rock, and Bautista is The Mountain. The Rock is basically the setup to The Mountain. So you need to climb The Rock to get to The Mountain. Talking about Bautista, on the 3rd of May, the Orioles announced that Felix was the AL reliever of the month for April with seven saves, a 1.32 ERA, and 25 strikeouts. Congratulations, Felix. The past three series between Detroit, Boston, and Detroit, the Orioles have gone 8-2 and two and have a 20-9 record after beating the Royals last night. What I want to cover is the specific game I went to when they played the Red Sox. Yes, they lost. But what was impressive is that the Birds never gave up, no matter the score. As a fan, you love to see it, as your team is always giving 100% even on their worst days. The Orioles were down 8-1 to going into the bottom of the ninth on the 26th of April and managed to score five runs with Cedric Mullins hitting a grand slam as he led the charge. Gunner also had a home run too. This home run seemed like a desperate swing as he hasn't been doing the best. But a home run is a home run. In that game, the Red Sox and the Orioles had a grand slam. So this season, I've seen three grand slams in person, which is beyond crazy. In the third game of the Red Sox series, Urias went 4-4, four for four, helping the Orioles win 6-2. to two. In the first series against the Tigers, the O's swept the Tigers for their first three-game sweep of the year. But... The way they won the third game was wacky indeed. On a wild pitch, Frazier would run home 
and slide and be safe at the plate, clinching a 2-1 walk-off wild pitch victory. I told you. Crazy. And um, I have the video, and I put it in the link below. The second series against Detroit, the O's took three or four games and would win their sixth straight series. Also, a fun fact, the O's have won every series opener so far this year. So the O's are 9-0 in series openers. How crazy is that? The O's have been bringing up a lot of people and amazing promotions, and a lot of great stuff is happening down on the farm right now in the minor leagues. Um, so let's actually talk about Jackson Holiday, the O's number one prospect. On April 24th, Holiday got promoted to Aberdeen, and what he did in his first game in high A was crazy. He hit a home run while also hitting a triple. In Holiday's 13 games in Delmarva this year, he had a batting average of 392 with two home runs, 15 RBIs, 14 walks, 1.190 OPS, and 34 total bases. These are just some of the stats that stuck out to me. And with him ripping the cover off the ball in Delmarva, the sky was and is the limit for him. In Aberdeen, he hasn't shown any struggles yet and is still hitting the cover off the ball. This kid is going to be special, and I'm for sure he will be in Bowie by the end of the season. Talking about people getting promoted, how about Joey Ortiz and his major league debut with the Orioles on the road against Detroit? When they sent Ortiz to the show, they ended up sending Taryn Vavra down to Norfolk, and Vavra is still in Norfolk. For Ortiz's debut on the 27th of April, he went 1 of 3 with 3 RBIs and a 3-3-3 average. Ortiz's one hit was a single to right field, scoring Mateo and Frazier. In the 7th, Ortiz had a drive to center field that I thought would have been gone, but it wasn't. It was a sack fly, though, which scored Frazier. Ortiz was up for three consecutive starts and had a 250 average with four RBIs and one run. In those three straight games, Ortiz combined for a collective two for eight, but showed some power in his bat. As I said, he hit the ball to the outfield, of course getting caught and robbed. And by few hits he had. On April 30th, they sent Ortiz down, bringing up outfielder Kyle Stowers. I like this as Stowers was hitting for power in Norfolk and had three home runs and a double header for Triple A Norfolk. You thought I was done talking about the O's prospects? Come on now, I could talk about them all day. Like, come on. Uh, for the double header in Detroit on the 29th of April, you know what day that is? That was my birthday, actually. The O's decided to bring up DL Hall to pitch. Did I mention Kramer did terrible in the first game of the double header? And uh, this has me guessing that he has been dead against me because I haven't seen him perform this way in a while, and it was on my birthday. But let's get back to talking about DL. In the first game of the doubleheader, which the O's lost, Hall pitched a good three innings with seven, yes, seven strikeouts. Hall gave up five hits and a home run, only giving up two runs, though. Hall didn't pitch the best, but he had a quality start. We have seen Hall pitch way worse. So the fact that he got through three and only gave up two runs isn't terrible. There's nothing too severe about this outing for him as he still needs work. At this point, I love that they are giving the kids some experience in the majors as I think it helps him a lot. 
So our bullpen supposedly has been amazing, but well, it has been amazing, but there's a lot, a lot of cracks in the bullpen right now that once teams figure it out, it's not going to be good. Like our pitching has been so shaky in my opinion so far, and you can never count O's win, even if they're up like 11 to three um, until the final pitch. A good example of this is last night's game against the Royals. Of course, the Orioles came back from a 3-0 deficit and scored 10 straight runs, with Mountie having two home runs in back-to-back innings, which is beyond crazy. Uh, after the score was 10-3, the O's gave up one run in the sixth and three in the seventh, making the game way closer than it needed to be. So basically 10-7 at that point. With Gunner having a nice slide in the home plate to score a run, the O's held on and won 11-7, clinching the 20th win. Also, like, that slide, I'm going to put it in the description because it's a very nice slide. It's beautiful. It gave me Rugi vibes, like Rugnet Odor. Uh, and Tyler Wells also improved to 2-1 and one after giving up two home runs, which were a solo shot to Bobby Witt Jr. and a two-run homer to MJ Melendez in the first. Both of them won the first, both home runs. When the O's finished the series against the Royals, they play Atlanta for three games, then come home to play the first-place Rays, and then the NL leader, Pirates, the series after. So we will see in those series how pitching is and if the O's are cut out with pitching and scoring. While we're talking about pitching, let's talk about Felix Bautista. Bautista was a little shaky at the beginning of the season, but has came into his own. As I said, Bautista won the American League Reliever of the Month, so a huge congratulations to him again. Personally, I think Bautista was more dominant last season, but Bautista is right back in his groove and getting the hang of things. Dude, how about Jorge Mateo? He is, oh my god, holy crap, he's amazing. Mateo is him and has gone off this year. He has been beyond amazing and might actually be the best shortstop in the league right now. And if he is not, then I don't know who is. Um, if you know a better shortstop in the league right now, please tell me because I'm actually curious about that. From his defensive plays to even hitting the cover off the ball, Mateo has already had six home runs and clearly changed his swing as he is only tapping his toe when he swings instead of taking his whole foot off the plate. The way he has changed his swing is so beautiful and a huge, huge credit to Matt Brigschulte, who is the hitting coach for the Baltimore Orioles. The speedy man himself also already has stole 10 bases. Yes, that is right, 10. While putting up these amazing stats, he also has an average of 3.38 and 18 RBIs. His hitting has changed for the positive, and his defensive skills have got even better. I'm so excited to keep watching him play. And if you watch the Orioles games, he's a standout player that you need to watch. Here might be a hot take, so yeah, this is my opinion, though. Is Gunnar Henderson ready for the show? And why do I say this? Gunnar has started off very, very slow this season and has been struggling a lot, especially in April. I get that this is his first year starting the season in the MLB, but he had some experience last year and was pretty good. Henderson has the second lowest average on the Orioles, ahead of Stowers' average of 0.125. Henderson is batting 0.184, and that really worries me. 
Remember, Stowers has barely been playing in the majors as he's been going up and down this whole year. A lot of people are saying, don't worry, it's the beginning of the year. But look, .184 and 30 strikeouts in 29 games, that's really not good. He does have two home runs, which is nice. But what is impressive is that Gunner has 20 walks, and that is actually a great stat. Because if he gets on base before a Mountie or Adley and they can hit a homer, it does really do some damage to the scoreboard and to the other team, which helps the Orioles. But for Gunner, what I think they should do is I think they should bring him down to Norfolk, give him a few reps, and then bring him back up when we need him because his swing is just atrocious right now. And he's, like, not swinging at strike threes and stuff. And it's... It's crazy, and I just think Gunner needs a second to reset and then come back. That's personally what I think. What are some other things to note here? Ryan O'Hearn is playing against his old team, the Royals, in this series, and it is possible that in Game 3 against the Royals, that former Oriole Jordan Lyles could pitch. Tonight, Kyle Gibson is going for his first 5-0 start since O's pitcher Jimmy Key in 1997. Can he tie history? We would just have to wait and see. Gunnar Henderson also had a beautiful slide in the home plate the other day, or last night, to score a run, and if you have the chance to watch it, then go watch it. I'll even be nice enough to put the link in the podcast description, as I said earlier, too. This slide gave me Rugie vibes when Odor had the amazing swim move to take second last year. Not exactly what happened with Rugnet, but it's a beautiful slide. Man got dirty, and ooh, it was nice. Then, during the doubleheader against the Tigers on the 29th, Grayson Rodriguez would secure its first win in the big leagues. Let's go, Grayson! Finally, in the last series against Detroit on April 29th, McKenna hit his first home run of the season. Clap it up for McKenna, boys. Clap it up. Um, so these are just some things to note. So, of course, I covered the Kansas City series a little bit and covered the Tigers and Red Sox series a little bit and got to see Masataki Yoshida play a game of baseball in person as I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. As the O's look to win the next two games of this series, they will take any advantage they can get. Once the Royals series is over, the real competition begins. And as I was saying earlier, They've got the Rays, the Braves, and the Pirates. Um, so we will actually see if the O's are contenders or pretenders. So uh, the pitching is going to need to step up. The hitting is going to need to continue. And we will see what happens. I wish I could tell you, like, okay, like I know what's going to happen here. The O's are going to win, win, win. Um, if the O's can win two out of three against the Braves, win – two out of three against the Pirates, and one out of three against the Rays, I'd be happy. Um, those That's per- personally what I would want if it happens. I mean, you want them to win each game possible, but yeah. So we will see if they're pretenders or contenders. So let's talk about some key things for the Kansas City series that I noticed. First off, Kansas City's star, Bobby Witt Jr., who was actually drafted after Adley, is only hitting .221 and now five home runs after hitting one last night against the O's. Witt also only has 11 RBIs and an on-base percentage of 
Hopefully the O's can take advantage of this as we continue to play with the Royals. As I keep coming back to, the O's need to beat the bad teams. The Royals don't even have 10 wins, which the O's haven't beaten the bad teams so far, but they have to keep it up, especially if they want to keep up with the Rays. When the Orioles start playing these good teams like the Braves, Rays, and Pirates, which I keep getting back to, what they should do, in my opinion, is always change the lineup and be so unpredictable with pitching and, of course, lineups that it plays mind games with the teams they face. They've been doing this a little, but if you can play mind games like this and maybe even announce starting pitchers last minute, it gives teams a less chance to plan. But before I move on, I just want to continue to praise Mountcastle as he has that dog in him. Literally, two home runs yesterday and back-to-back innings is crazy. I love Mountie, bro. Mountie, if you hear this, I love you, dude. Also, if I'm Elias, I would extend Rutschman as soon as possible and not hold off. I don't need to be stressed with it. Please, don't make this the Lamar situation again. That would give me too much stress. And I already have finals coming up, Elias. So, come on now. You know me and how my podcast is all things Orioles. Everything around the Orioles. You know, we love the Orioles from the minor leagues to the major leagues. But say you want something about all things baseball, every team, every player, then you should go and listen to the Broken Bat Podcast. They have a Cardinals fan on there, a Yankees fan on there, and a Mariners fan. So perspective from three teams. Again, if you need another podcast just to learn about any player, anything baseball, and any team, go listen to the Broken Bat Podcast. So what key players should you watch out for in the future series? Well, in the Atlanta Braves series, you gotta, of course, watch out for Ronald Acuna Jr. Acuna won the NL Player or National League Player of the Month. In April, Acuna played 26 games and had a batting average of .352, which is crazy, while hitting four dingers. Along with that, 14 runs batted in, or RBIs, 13 stolen bases, which was better than Mateo, and an OPS, or on-base plus slugging of 1.004, which is beyond amazing. The Braves also have ace pitcher Spencer Strider on their team, who I'm hoping the Orioles won't have to face. Now, let's move on to Tampa Bay here. And Randy Rosarina has been dominating the league and doesn't look like they're slowing down. Either Tampa Bay doesn't look like it and Randy Rosarina doesn't look like it. Rosarina, who was an Orioles killer last season, so far has 7 home runs, 12 RBIs, and a .325 average. While putting up these stats, Rosarina also has an OPS of .958. The Orioles are going to have to shut him down when they play the Rays, as the Rays' starting pitching is also very, very solid. My key player that we need to watch out for when the Orioles face the Pirates is key Brian Hayes. David Bednar, and Andrew McCutcheon. He, Brian Hayes, recently just won the Fielding Bible Defensive Player of the Month. First off, I don't know why they call it the Fielding Bible, but it is what it is. 
Second, Hayes is a third baseman and is only hitting an average of .230 and one home run. Next, who I want to talk about is David Bednar. Bednar, he's so good. He's so, so good. Bednar is a righty pitcher who is also a closer. In 2023, Bednar so far has an ERA of 0.69. Nice. And has pitched 13 innings in 13 games. That's basically an inning per game. Bednar's record is 2-0 and has 9 saves out of 10 save opportunities. So one blown save, but that's really nothing. That's basically 90%. That's amazing in baseball. Uh, Bednar is really amazing, and I'm worried if it's a close game in the ninth, the Orioles wouldn't be able to hit him because, oh, well, yeah. But before we go on to Andrew McCutcheon, one of the Pirates' great players named O'Neill Cruz is on the 60-day IL. Yeah, the 60-day IL. That's why I took a pause there because of his ankle injury on a terrible collision at the plate against the White Sox this season. Cruz is a major addition at shortstop to the Pirates lineup and will be missed, but it helps the Orioles out. Now, let's move on to Andrew McCutcheon. Pirates' designated hitter has a .247 average and five home runs already. Five home runs already is crazy. What's scary is McCutcheon is always one swing away from a homer or knocking in a run and is very clutch at certain times. Orioles pitching will have, have to knock down these opportunities and not make as many mistakes. But they can't be giving up too many. Like, they can have some mistakes, but not too many. Like, homers with men on base, not okay. If you have a home run, like a solo shot, okay. Finally, while we are on the topic of the Pirates, I want to discuss the story behind Drew Maggie. Drew Maggie is a 33-year-old who has been in the minor leagues for 13 years. In these 13 years, Maggie played a total of 1,155 games in the minors. Drew was drafted in the 15th round in the 2010 draft by the Pittsburgh Pirates and eventually bounced around to the Angels, Dodgers, Indians, Twins, and Phillies before returning back to the Pirates. Maggie had a standing ovation uh, when he came out for his first ever at-bat in the big leagues. On the 29th of April, Maggie got his first ever hit in the big leagues. Maggie even got a standing ovation then too. But that didn't really last long as the Pirates sent Maggie down to the minors a few days ago. What an inspiring story though. Looking through the Pirates' stats, I believe the O's have better stats on paper and could win games on paper, but we will just have to see what happens in these series. If the season ended today, the Orioles would be the fourth seed in the American League and hold the wild card at home against the Toronto Blue Jays. I also made a post explaining why I am posting episodes at different times and not frequently, but if you didn't see that, it's basically because of college. With finals coming up, everything is getting a lot more stressful. Don't worry, though, as I will produce content and possibly have a special guest on soon. Let's hope that the Orioles can keep up the winning streak they are on and keep putting wins in the book. Because ain't that beer cold? As always, thank you so much for listening. As you guys know, 
I'm really, really trying to become a great podcaster. And even with this format I went by today, I'm always going to try out new things. So feel free to let me know what you guys like and don't like as it helps me. As always, see you guys soon and go O's!